0: If you're sick of the mainstream sports outlets, well, so was I. So I started my own show. I'm Shane Larson, and this is the Game Time Guru. It's different than other talk shows. I'm providing a panoramic view on sports so you can see them through a different lens. So buckle up, and let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru podcast. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and again, we're coming at you with an amazing interview from an amazing guest. I'm joined by the former South Carolina Gamecocks quarterback, Mr. Perry Orth. Perry, thanks so much for taking the time out of your schedule to join us here on the show.
1: Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, It's always an honor to be able to share not only my career but my story and um, just thankful to, uh, to have this opportunity
0: awesome man well we're honored to have you on the show i mean i've i got in contact with you through a mutual connection that we had and i was just grateful to even have your name come up and have you being willing to you know to join the show so thank you so much for that and you know perry normally on the show when i bring my guests on and we we have you guys share your journeys i start from square one so i usually what i say rewind the clock but today i want to do a little bit do it a little bit differently and i want to start in 2015 when you were the starting quarterback for the South Carolina Gamecocks, you know, in 2015, just a few games into the season, you were the starting quarterback, and you came in, and I want you to explain your feelings for us, if you can, uh, when you became, you know, when you knew that you were going to be the starter for a Division one football team in the Southeastern Conference, which is known to, you know, the country as the most powerful conference in college football, explain your feelings and explain your emotions, what was going through your head when you were named the starting quarterback.
1: Um, that was my junior year, and I had, uh, you know, had fought and, and, and battled through camp and felt like I had earned the right to play and knew I was going to get an opportunity having played for Coach Spurrier, and then, you know, the door opened up where the starter actually had a, a shoulder injury, and I came in and played a, a really good half against Kentucky and kind of landed in that starting role, but, you know, the roller coaster didn't stop there. You know, I started one game and Next game, they decided to start another kid. And then the, two games later, they decided to stick with me. And, and then I wrote it out the rest of the season. But, um, yeah, it was an honor. You know, as a kid, I grew up wanting to, to play college football and play at a high level like a school like South Carolina. And when, uh, when that opportunity came and then when I finally got on the field, it was literally a dream come true. So um, it was it, it was pretty incredible.
0: Um, so you you go in there. And like you said, it was kind of like still a quarterback battle, though. They still had another guy that you're battling. Do you – you know, this is a question that comes up from time to time when you see quarterbacks – you know, there's like what they call a quarterback controversy on a team, and they're trying to figure out who's going to be the starter. Since you happen to be in the middle of one of those situations – what was that like? Did you feel like you had a pretty good relationship with the other quarterback that you're battling, as well as the starter who had gone down with injury? Did you feel like you guys were all pretty, you know, well, you know, I guess, well respected, like respected each other? Or did you guys have that competition in between you guys? What was the feeling being in that situation?
1: Yeah, we always competed in practice, but we also understood at the end of the day that football wasn't the only thing and that we valued our friendships and, and stuff like that even more than, than going out and playing. But yeah, you know, when we were on the field, there was no funny business. It was competition and may the best man win. And we earned the respect of our teammates through our hard work. And um, we also earned the respect of, of our teammates and coaches, by the way, we handled it. You know, we never were, Talking bad behind anybody's backs, or at least I was, and i don't I can't speak for the other guys i, I understand that they all seem to be good friends, and I still talk with the majority of them and uh yeah we we just competed hard, but we also you know off the field we we made it known that listen like we're all going to be done playing football one day, and we'd still like to become friends because off the field we all did get along, and uh it was it was good to have a good unit. Um, I, I wish that we could have that could have been utilized to win more games but that being said we still made great relationships throughout the course of our career which is now carried over into our professional life
0: that's awesome man okay so let's let's take a look here then you've this is that's really cool to hear from your perspective so your junior year you you go out and you pretty much finish the season how did that junior year go though as far as statistically speaking and as far as your record is concerned
1: yeah, so that was actually the season Coach Spurrier resigned in the middle of the year. Um, statistically, I finished just around 2,000 yards, and I, I started eight games that year and played in uh, all 12, but uh had a decent year. It was my first year really playing since I was a senior in high school, so I had basically taken four years off and then... Had jumped into Division One college football, and like you said, and jumping into the SEC is is no easy task. But a lot of good coaches on offense that helped me. Even when Coach Spurrier left, and we finished actually three and nine. It was um it was one of those years where the ball never bounced our way. We lost six games that year by um by seven points or less. Um the, the last see the, the last five games we lost. And each game was decided by six points or less. I mean, it, it was one of those one of those things that just would make you scratch your head and say, "We were a play here, a play there, one drive here, one stop here." Uh, we had two games, one touchdown late was called back to lose. One game we had a fumble on the twelve yard line going in the score. One game, I mean, were it, it was just one of those years that. You sit back after the season you make and you just it just makes you wonder, you know? And um after that was when Coach Muschamp got hired and so kinda of got another crack at it. Um I know the guys that I came in with, I was a junior at the time. We wanted to you know, get the program heading in the in the right direction again and, and lay a good foundation for the new staff coming in and I believe that we did that.
0: I like that. It's kinda of cool to hear that you were able to play for two pretty you know, well-known and well-respected coaches, what was your relationship? I know, I mean, you don't have to go into too much detail, but did you have a good relationship with Coach Spurrier, you know, despite of everything that, you know, happened with him resigning?
1: Yeah, no, we had a great relationship. Um, You know, he actually, after the game after he had resigned, um, I had a pretty pretty good ball game against Vanderbilt, and we ended up actually winning, and um, he called me the next day and just – you know, wanted to congratulate me on a, a a game well game well played and was gonna be cheering me on the rest of the way and um yeah, it, it it was really good. Now Coach Spurry was a tough guy to play for, but that being said, um most of the great ones are and uh you know, whenever I see him now it's always a you know, handshake and a hug and get a big hug from his wife, Jerry and um, it's always great to catch up with him and see how he's doing. And I know he's getting ready to coach that American Football League over in uh, down in Orlando here in a couple months. So he's excited to get back out on the field, and I'm excited to watch him dial it up.
0: Absolutely, man. That's awesome to hear your relationship with him. And, you know, you mentioned that was the 2015 season – um, the 2016 season was your senior year. What uh, and that's when you know Muschamp comes in. You have a new coach. How did that season go overall for not only yourself but for the team?
1: Yeah, so started out great. Um, you know, was named the starter after a few weeks of fall camp. Went out in the first week of the year, had a big win on the road at Vanderbilt, and uh, really had one of the better halves of football of my. know athletic career honestly was very efficient with the ball let our team down after being down 10 late in the game and our kicker hit a 55 yard field goal to to win it basically as time went off there was a few seconds left on the clock and going in there had a lot of momentum had a lot of confidence and the next week went down to mississippi state and we lost 24 to 14 and they decided to um continue the quarterback controversy and competition, and they started the the other freshman quarterback. His name was Brandon McIlwain, and he started the next three games, and then I came in late against Texas A&M, and we almost came back after a a tough game, and we ended up losing that one. And then they started me the next week against Georgia and um, lost that one. I believe it was 21-14, just a a, a slugfest year your typical Georgia South Carolina defensive slugfest where, um, just, it was nothing really going on offense actually had a, one of the better games statistically through for just under 300 yards. And I think near 70, 70% completion. And we just couldn't get the ball in the end zone and ended up losing. That was when they made the decision that they were going to start Jake Bentley, who's now the starting quarterback at South Carolina. And they stuck with him and have been with him ever since. But, um, yeah, it was a, a roller coaster of a of a senior year. Didn't end the way I wanted to personally, but we ended up finish finishing six and six and lost in overtime to South Florida in our bowl game and really how I ended my, my senior year. So it was bittersweet, you know, to, to have a great career and having been a walk on and starting and getting a scholarship but then not being able to finish your you know, finish your senior year and play in your last seven games of your career was definitely
0: tough oh i bet i bet and as you're telling the story it's kind of it's it's kind of interesting because you're you're talking about these big name schools now I'm I'm out here on the west side of the United States in Boise. So our school, my school that I graduated from, this is Boise State University territory, right? The blue turf, you know, blue collar team, smaller school. You're talking about these big name schools. You're talking Georgia, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt. You're talking all these big schools. And before we get more into your story, I want to know you know, like what it was like and who who was the toughest team you ever played and maybe who's the best player you ever faced during those times because obviously wins weren't easy to come by. You played a lot of good teams, a lot of good talent. Who was the best team and who was the best player you ever faced?
1: Um, I would say the best team was 2015 when we played um, Clemson at home. They ended up, that was the year they lost Alabama by four or five in the national title and uh, we actually had them 28, 25. We were down by three with ten minutes left, and I get you know get angry every time I talk about it. Um, we had third and had him. Deshaun Watson was rattled, and third and ten with the ball in the thirty, and they end up converting on the third down, and we had just scored three touchdowns in a row on back to back to back possessions, and they end up going down and scoring and kind of put it out of reach late, and we ended up scoring another quick touchdown to make it a five-point game and they ended up kind of bleeding the clock out after that. So, that was the toughest team we played. Um we played them really really well. Um the best player that I played against where I directly played them um was when we played at Texas and Miles Garrett, I mean number 1 overall pick. Uh he was he was very impressive.
0: Man, that's so crazy talking about them. Like, uh, it's weird hearing it from a player's perspective because as a fan, I was I went to the Ohio State Clemson game in 2016. I believe it was the college football playoff. It was the year Clemson won it. The next year, and uh, I always said that Deshaun Watson was probably the best player I've ever watched live um, in, in person, as far as a college football player. So it's crazy to hear from your perspective that you got to play him. And you're talking about that Clemson game. Um, that's one question that I had. A friend of mine actually tell me to ask when I, I told him I had this interview set up, the atmosphere and the electricity, just basically the electric atmosphere, and what was what's it like being part of the Clemson-South Carolina rivalry? What are those games like when you know you come out of the tunnel and you got that? What's the vibe for those games from a player's perspective? It's intense,
1: man. Uh, that was the most nervous I'd ever been for a game in my life, just because you know that the entire state of South Carolina is watching. I mean, we played at noon on ESPN, and obviously a stadium was sold out, 82, eighty-three thousand 83,000 people there, but you knew there were, you know, potentially, you know, two to three, potentially four million people watching on television of Gamecock and Clemson fans all across the country. And, um you know, they were the number one team in the country, and it's just such a brutal, nasty rivalry. They hate each other. I mean, there's no... There's no love towards the other school. There's a little mutual respect between some of the I guess classier fans, but for the most part there's just they just despise each other and um it's just a good old fashioned southern hatred football rivalry and you know, the players understand it, you feel it when you're out there on the game and you're playing the game and the hits are a little harder, the speed's a little quicker, the are a little bigger it just everything seems magnified in that game and um, it was intense man but it, looking back it was one of the cooler experiences that that I ever had you know going back and looking because we were struggling but they were number one in the country and we were going toe to toe with them and it just made for a great ball game I mean we, we we lost the game but I still to this day have people come up to me and and tell me about how often it was watching you know the Clemson fans getting rattled when we stormed back and made it a three-point game, thinking, "Oh no, here we go again. We're gonna, we're gonna pull a what they call a Clemsoning and lose to our arch rival who's not going to a bowl, and we're the number one team in the country." And just that feeling of having them on the ropes was uh, it was really really cool.
0: Man, see, we don't have that much out here, at least in Boise, Idaho. I mean, we've got the Broncos, but we don't have the true rivalries that you guys have, and so it's cool to hear that from your your side, especially someone who actually played in it and was very highly involved in the game. So, you know, you, you've talked about your experience at South Carolina. We've gotten a, an idea of it, Perry. Now I kind of want to take this opportunity to to rewind the clock. Going back to high school, you did mention you were a walk-on, but I want to go back to high school. How many Division One offers did you get Coming out of high school, I didn't
1: have any Division One A offers. Um, there were a few Division One AA Presbyterian. Um, actually, Elon never did offer me, which is crazy. Um, well, I don't even remember the other division. There was maybe two other One AA schools, and then it basically came down when uh, I found out that South Carolina had offered me a preferred walk-on. South Florida had offered me the same USF. And I knew that Coach Spurrier, knowing his track record, was was more lenient on giving quarterbacks an opportunity to play, whether you were a walk-on scholarship guy. He didn't really – honestly, he didn't really care. He just wanted the guy who he felt was the best guy to go out and get the job done, and that's why I went there. And that served, you know, true because when I got there, I showed him that I could throw the ball well. And he gave me a few opportunities to play in the spring games and scrimmages. And, you know, I just capitalized on my opportunities. And, um, you know, after my, you know, it was crazy. I got there with last string on the depth chart and was on scout team my first fall. And then 12 months later, I found out week one in my sophomore season, I was the backup quarterback to Dylan Thompson. And, um, and so it, it was uh it was really quick turnaround going from walking on the team, just being excited to be out there and, and be a part of it, to being like, Okay, I'm literally a sprained ankle where a helmet popped off or a, a bad fall away from being the starting quarterback in South Carolina. So it was a quick turnaround for me and and uh it was a it was a hell of an experience.
0: Man, it's crazy. It's it's awesome to see that you went that route, though the the walk on route, and you worked your your butt off to get to where you're at. Um, being part of the scout team, this is a question I've been dying to ask people, and now that I have the opportunity, I wanted to throw it your way. Being part of the scout team, do you feel that that actually benefited you a lot? Just being able to essentially understand the opposing teams' systems and their schemes and such, so that when you were actually part of the the normal, you know, the backup, and then got to the starting position, you were able to essentially dissect that in film a little bit easier do you feel like that helped you in that sense
1: no not not really in that sense where it did help was that you were getting reps you know you were getting repetitions whether it was your plays or not you were still looking at <clears throat> excuse me you were still looking at a defense you were still reading coverages and you were reading the first team defense coverages right you were still dropping back and analyzing what they were doing uh, granted you were playing with the other freshmen but you were still out there continuing to get reps again like I said, against the live defense. And um, those reps were so beneficial for me. <clears throat> Excuse me, that when I had my, you know, my time the next spring to go out and compete, it wasn't like, honestly, it wasn't anything different because it's what I had been practicing against all fall, except for I was running plays that I knew. So I had an advantage there. And um, that's why I think it's extremely important for, for quarterbacks to redshirt their first year to just get acclimated to everything because quarterback is such a different position that you have to be able to not only understand your offense, but you have to understand your defense and the speed of the game and how you see it and feel it. It's just, it's a lot. And it's very difficult as a true freshman to come in and play and do that. Um, So it helped me uh, incredibly.
0: That's super awesome. And one question for you here, Perry. What, can you remember any of the play calls? It's always something that quarterbacks, like people like to hear quarterbacks say one of the plays um, and to determine how complex they are in the huddle. Do you remember any of the plays? And if you do, could you say one of the plays that you mentioned in the huddle, just like a random play call?
1: Yeah, so we um, we actually didn't huddle. So we the offensive line would get up on the ball and the receivers, they'd signal in the formation. Receivers would... Go ahead and get lined up, and then they would signal the play from there. And then once they signaled the play, they'd signal the protection or the run play. So, um, you know, one of our plays that, that we ran when you were saying that, that just comes to mind that we ran a, a ton against Kentucky. I, I think it was crazy. We, we ran one pass play out of one formation seven times in one half of football. they they kept giving it to us and we kept handling it so that the, the, the play was bandit left over river is the protection feeler stop was the play so you have bandit right over which was the formation river is the six man protection feeler stop was you had the tight end kind of run in a far spot what they call the backside tight end would run and set up over the opposite tackle you have the number three receiver in the slot. You had a three by one formation. The uh, the number three receiver would run a deep crossing route. Then the number two receiver would run almost like a flat route, like a quick five yard out. Number one receiver would run up like he was going to run a deep post, and then at about seventeen, eighteen yards, he'd break it down and kind of fit in that zone. And uh, they, for some reason, Kentucky wouldn't pick up on it, and so Coach Spurrier just kept firing away, but. That's just uh, one of the calls that, that kind of really stuck out to me in my career.
0: That's awesome. man! It's so cool to hear it from, you know, hear the plays and kind of dissect it from, from a quarterback standpoint. I do remember it's funny. Um, I just remember a random thing on ESPN one time when Matt Hasselbeck was a quarterback for the, the Seahawks, I believe. And he was talking about how he had to learn a new playbook everywhere he goes and team. And so he'd read his playbook to his daughter. And so he was, he was telling the audience some of the play calls and such for, for the team and Ever since that time, though, I have always been intrigued with play calls, like how they dissect, because each team has a little bit of different terminology for their formations and, and stuff. And like you said, like the protection and everything. And there's a lot that goes into it that people don't understand. So when people say that football players are stupid, it really frustrates me because there's so much more to it than people even imagine. The way that you just broke that down analytically is just something that the average person would never understand. And I think it's awesome because you had probably many plays that you had to do that same thing and understand where everyone was going and be able to explain it just like that. I think it's awesome. Um, it's super cool, man. So Perry, we, I, I, you mentioned earlier, um, about your experience. I, when I asked you about the, the, the quarterback controversy, just like the competition with the players and you said it's kind of poured over into your professional life now, like post-college career. And that's what I kind of want to ask is, is what, what's going on with Perry Orth nowadays after, you know, playing college for a division one football team in the sec, what do you do nowadays? So now
1: I work in Columbia. I'm still here. I work for an insurance agency and I do commercial insurance. And so I travel in, in uh, all across the state and sell insurance to businesses, um, all across South Carolina. And then I started a quarterback training and development business where I actually train high school and middle school aged quarterbacks how to properly throw and footwork and and everything that kind of goes in and into and playing the position and it's just an opportunity for me to stay involved in the game and give back and and um just really connect with all the kids in the area and um you know I wasn't an ultra talented guy so I used a lot of good form and technique to help elevate my game and that's what I'm trying to pass along to these guys that I'm coaching
0: It's awesome, man. That's super awesome that you're actually giving back with all the knowledge that you have. And I think it's it's super important for these athletes coming up. And I guess my question that I was going to end with here with you, Perry, was it's kind of answered in the sense of what you're doing with the football training. But uh, I guess I would ask you as far as like your insurance business and anything else that you do, has your has your experience playing football at a high level like that and competing throughout your whole life, and you know the whole story is coming on as a walk on fighting your way up and and all that that you went through, and even like you said, your senior year you know it didn't go as well as you had wanted it to, going you know not starting the last part of the season and everything and and going through that these experiences that you went through playing football. How have those helped you in your, you know, your professional life outside of the training uh, for football development, but um, in your your normal job and maybe in just every everyday life experiences? Is there any parallels you can find from your football experience?
1: Yeah, I think that there's a lot of adversity in life. You know, a lot of things are not going to go your way. For instance, like I, for an example in my life would be, you know, when it comes to, so I'm in sales, so you're not going to make every sell, and there's going to be times where you go, you know, maybe a month without really selling anything, or, or or something like that. In just life, you're dealt with a lot of bad hands, and how do you overcome it? Um, in football, it, you 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 know, bad things happen. You're gonna make bad plays, and people are gonna criticize you at a high level. And you know, you turn on the TV, or you turn on your phone, or or anything like that with social media and you got somebody bashing you telling you you're not very good or you're not any good or the next guy's better than you and you develop thick skin and you learn just to become a warrior in life and not to be pushed around and not that you need to be this big macho man but um being able to to battle through tough times and knowing that there's always a light on the other side of it but at the same time being able to handle it with with grace and confidence is it's something that really football teaches you because you can, you know, throughout the course of a, a game or, or even a series of plays, you can have things go just so wrong and then all of a sudden one thing goes right and changes the whole outcome. And just being able to press through the bad times to to be comfortable being uncomfortable is something that we were taught. And uh, that's helped me a lot because now that I'm on my own and off kind of the, the parent paycheck and really, not, you know, really spending for yourself and trying to make a name for yourself, um, you really you, you got to be a fighter and you got to be a competitor and, and want to win in whatever you're doing and that's something that football and sports teaches guys and that's why a lot of employers like to hire athletes because they have that that natural competitive edge to them and uh, they want to succeed in whatever it's that whatever it is that they do so it, w- it doesn't matter that I competed at the Division One level or the SEC level it's all of sports if you're a competitor you're going to want to win regardless you play at you know, South Carolina or you play at, you know, wherever. So, um, that, that, that's the, probably the biggest thing I'd take away.
0: Awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Rumor has it too, Perry, that, uh, it, it kind of runs in the family, this athleticism, this competitive edge, uh, from what I saw, I guess, is that you like, you had your, your father, maybe you and you have a little brother who's also plays football. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So my brother actually played on ESPN last night, the starting quarterback for South Alabama, Uh, They lost to Troy, but it was really cool to watch him play on ESPN. And I know a lot of the country was watching because most of the country loves football and Tuesday night football. People tune in, and we had former teammates of mine reaching out to me asking if that was my little brother, and they were excited watching him play. You know, having played with me and then watching him come up. And then my dad had played football at West Virginia um, in the late late 70s, and my older brother actually he played baseball at the Citadel, which is the the military school here in south carolina and um yeah just uh, a lot of athletes in the family
0: i like it man it's awesome and props to your brother too wish him luck the rest of the way and perry i appreciate you joining us here on the game time guru i know that story was awesome our listeners are going to love it so i appreciate the interview and i appreciate your time sir
1: yeah man absolutely i appreciate you having me on
0: For sure, man. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate all the listeners who are tuning in. And I hope you guys all liked the interview as much as I did. Make sure to join us next week as we'll be bringing on more guests every single Friday. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.